Listener supported. WNYC Studios. Well, you know, one of the things I kept hearing, and it definitely proved to be true, was that people kept saying to me, it doesn't matter how engaged you think you are with your audience, you know, through social media or through a blog or through speaking, that you will find a new, deeper engagement with a podcast. It's more intimate. People feel like they know you in a different way. Um, And uh, that's absolutely proved to be true for me. That's author and podcast host Gretchen Rubin. By the time she launched Happier in 2015, Gretchen was already a New York Times best-selling author. But her podcast created a connection with her audience that she says was totally different and in some ways deeper. Gretchen, note to self's Manoush Zamarodi and NPR's Karen Grigsby-Bates talk here about how to engage with your audience and how to establish lasting connections with them. I'm Sarah Gonzalez, and this is The Work It Podcast, recorded live at WNYC's Festival for Women in Audio. Good morning. Is everybody all caffeinated? Yes. There you go. Yes. <laughs> Somebody had just like, and more. I'm Karen Grigsby-Bates. I'm from NPR's Code Switch team. Thank you. We do a podcast that talks about race and ethnicity and culture and how messy and complicated all that gets. And I am really, really happy to be here. Um, I want to introduce my fellow panelists. On stage with me are Manoush Zamarodi, host of Note to Self at the far end. And Gretchen Rubin, host of Happier. In addition to producing podcasts, they're also the authors of new books, and they're fresh off of book tours, just came here. <laughs> yeah. Um, Gretchen, your latest book is called The Four Tendencies. You're the author of several more, many of them I've read, and it was from your writing that you transferred into the world of audio. Why'd you choose to start a podcast? Because you were doing a bunch of stuff already, and it seems like a podcast was just like more work. Um, <laughs> what was your aha moment that in doing your books and doing your blog and doing your speaking and the other 900 things you were doing, you said, oh, I need to add this to the list of things that I we, do? Well, you know, one of the things I kept hearing, and it definitely proved to be true, was that people kept saying to me, it doesn't matter how engaged you think you are with your audience, you know, through social media or through a blog or through speaking that you will find a new, deeper engagement with a podcast. It's more intimate. People feel like they know you in a different way. Um, and uh, that's absolutely proved to be true for me. And also, um, I collaborate with my sister. And so it was a chance to do kind of talk about the same ideas that I always love to talk about and love to engage with people on, um, but in a format that was different, that was more conversational, kind of more fun, because um, I was doing it with my sister. Yeah, we want to come back to that because yeah. that's a really interesting uh, dynamic. <laughs> um, Manoush, for you, you yeah. did podcasts first and then came books. Mm-hmm. Your new book, Bored and Brilliant, yeah. originated from so an audience engagement project that you did a couple of years ago yeah. and created for Note to Self. And I don't know if anybody's tried this, but my it's really interesting. My whole team really is here. Hi, Note to Self team. Where are my yeah. ladies? There they are. Yay. The law lady team. So what was the process like to do this the other way around? You podcast first, then book. And how did you decide that a book needed to come out of this? 
Karen, can I just say, though, that I feel like I'm five up here? I'm like, well, you know, um, I can't quite get comfortable. That's why I'm sitting look, on the edge of the chair. Look elegant. Get comfortable. Here we go. Um, so for me, I mean, I'm, gonna, I'm ready to claim the title of first crowdsourced podcast to be turned into a book. Mm-hmm. I know a lot of people are fighting for that title, but I'm going to take it. Basically, it came out of this weird project that we did in 2015 where I sort of was feeling sick and tired of my smartphone, and I asked my audience if they were too, and would they do a strange experiment with me. And I thought like a couple hundred people would be into it, and 20,000 people signed up in the first 48 hours. And we, we were able to combine uh, data feedback from the experiments that we did together, plus incredibly personal stories, including all the research and academics that I had spoken to who really don't have a lot of outlets to explain some of the research that they're doing. And so by taking all of that together um, over the last year and a half, I've codified it, took what I learned that first week when, like, frankly, I was totally making it up and flying by the seat of my (laughs) pants, but, like, was able to go back and and say, you know, to my audience, thank you, because I think what you've done is proven a concept that people are ready to make these changes. And so by putting it into a book, it's been really interesting on the book tour. I'm curious to hear what Gretchen thinks. Like, who, in some cities, it's all podcast listeners who are coming to find out about the book. But in other cities, there are people who are curious about boredom or they always go to events at their bookstore and they don't even listen to podcasts. So it's mm-hmm. been really fascinating to see, like, where is the infliction point? Where is the crossover? Can we get more people who do read books to listen to podcasts? Because that is my ultimate goal. Yeah, we were sort of in between both of you. You know, I was a reporter at NPR for a pretty long time, reporting on race. Um, And then we built this team of race people who were reporters, writers, researchers. And we thought at some point, as podcasts started picking up, we really want to do a podcast. And we kind of had to convince NPR that there was merit in the idea, because number one, you know, it takes time away from your normal beat, and they only have but so many resources. And number two, it was about race. And so, you know, the idea of having people talk about race in a situation that you can't necessarily control, mm. I think, made folks a little nervous. But we, you know, we blogged about it a lot, we reported about it, we got lots of comments and finally they decided, yeah, let's go ahead and do it. And it's, we get some people from the NPR audience, some people who don't really listen to NPR, but they're interested in the idea of talking about race in a different format. And some people who just kind of bump into us because a lot of us individually have Twitter followers or we're really active on Facebook or Instagram and so they bring them in that way. So it's it's we, I sort of feel like code switch is an amalgam yeah. of the two of you all. How Gretchen, you that? can I just ask, like, have you found that there are some people who know you solely by the podcast? Yes, and I have to say, as a bookish person, it's a little bit scary to me how many people who now come to book events really identify me as a podcaster. <laughs> um, Welcome. Yeah, no, 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 no. I mean, it's great, but you know, but like for me, books are just as important, and so it's interesting how podcasts really are taking hold, and like people really are showing up. Um, so I do think it's like an, it is a deep engagement. It's a deep form of engagement. And a sort of cross-pollination, right? It's, yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, let's talk. You, so you have podcasts. You each have podcasts. There are a lot of different ways to engage your audiences. And we actually put together a list of how this, how this runs often. God, um, that's a lot of work, isn't that's it? That's a lot it of work. Yes. Oh, Sorry, speaking but, of which, like, 
Oh, um, yes. Y- you do it. No, no. So, <laughs> Moosh and I, putting our money where our mouth is, we're passing sign-up sheets. You should be, these are going through the audience. Um, so sign up for our newsletters and everything, and, and help us, this is the key part, help us at the end to retrieve these things. Um, but we both have learned that putting a sign-up sheet like on a table doesn't work nearly as well as passing it among an audience, which is why we're passing it now. And also, you cannot let any opportunity go by to try to get people to sign up or engage. And one of the things, I didn't do it with this time because you guys are all here for podcasts, but usually when I pass this sheet, I include a laminated page that tells you how to subscribe to a podcast because a lot of people just don't know how to subscribe to podcasts. And so it's just like on one side it's Android and one side it's iTunes to just like... That's really useful information. I I totally learned that from Gretchen, like straight up, but I feel like, you know, I come from public radio, so it feels awkward to be like... Follow so, me, so self-promoting. you know, the self-promotion <laughs> thing is super yeah. weird, but I, so, I've, so I was like, I'm just going to put it on the table, and then when I sign people's books, you know, but what I realized, like, by the time they get to the table to sign the book, they want eye contact with yeah. you, which is, like, great. That's why they're there, and so I totally screwed up, Gretchen. I'm no. sorry. Well, okay. you still got more book events <laughs> So, no, you need to redeem me. But it's also a service, because, you know, I'll talk to people every now and then who hear me report on the radio, and they're like, but don't you all have, what's that thing called, a podcast? Yeah, we have a podcast. How do I find it? And so you yeah. spend a fair amount of time saying, well, you go to here and you subscribe to it. And then there's got to be an easier way to do this. And that's the easier way. Yeah. yeah. So, so thank you. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, so all these different ways. That's yeah. what you're saying. Yes. Wait, so, okay. Looking at these, which ones are the easiest lift? Which ones do you automatically, if you can only do like three of them, would you oh, discuss? That's okay, that's can I good. tackle that? Yeah, you go, you go. I feel like... The most important thing to do, if you had to rank them in terms of like where your time and your energy and money should go, first is show notes. You have to have an online presence. Something doesn't feel real to most people if they can't. Even if it's huh. just the most rudimentary thing, they have to be able to be like, oh, I heard about this cool podcast, Note to Self. I want to look it up. If you look it up and it's not there, people are going to be like, what is, it can't be real. And the problem with a lot of podcasts is that in the early days, people don't know if you're going to stick around. So I think having... Right. Oh, like a, a, a page and some kind of very rudimentary show notes. And, and also one of the things, um, I'm a huge fan of using all the different plat- social media platforms, but there are always intermediaries between you and your listener, and they can change their algorithm at any time. And so mm-hmm. I'm a big fan of getting emails, which is why I think I always want to pass this list, because then you have a direct connection to your listeners, because those other platforms are fantastic, but you don't control them. And you're at their mercy. They can, they can charge you to reach your own audience. Um, so I think it's really, I, would, I think all those are really important and often aren't that hard. But I think to try to be gaining emails when people reach out to you um, is very valuable to have that list. I'm going to go with um, voice memos because I think they're what make Note to Self sound mm. so much better and different. And in mm. fact, I think we have a clip which I can play. Um, we did another engagement project called Infomagical, which was a week to combat information <laughs> overload. Super silly great. name for a serious problem that a lot of people are having. And, um, and this was the reaction, if we could play that at the, at the end of the week. Hi, my name's Amanda, and I'm living in Tucson, Arizona. And Infomagical actually has helped me realize how much I use technology as a way to distract myself from things going on in my life that I really actually need to sit down and process. I had a good cry in the Whole Foods parking lot, but it was something that I needed and I wouldn't have been able to do that if I was sitting on Instagram instead. My name is Brandon and I live in San Leandro, California. 
uh, it was really relieving to hear other people having these same problems with attention span and computers and cell phones. Do it until it's done. That is the essence of what this is all about. This isn't a perfect, it's practice. Hi, note to self. This is Dave from Shorewood, Minnesota. I did spend more time realizing just how much information and interruptions I have during the day, which I realized I can control myself. Today was a very good day with French. A couple of magical thoughts came to me, trying to avoid looking at other things which are distracting is like a magic wand. It's sort of like that transformation in The Wizard of Oz when she starts to see everything in color. And you start to recognize what you really, really want and push everything aside with a little bit more aggressiveness because there's purposefulness. And you've been given permission right now through these exercises. This is a gift. Okay, so See that tomorrow. last woman, oh, Good night. she yeah, she she called us every single day during the project. She her focus was French that week, so she only ate French food, cooked French recipes, read French you watched French YouTube, read French blogs. Like that was her whole thing, and she told us every day how it was going. And God love her, like we are, you know. She said she was going to aggressively push aside other distractions, she and she did, by for God. For sure. But we, I love sort of experimenting with different ways, mm -hmm. too. So during Infomagical, we had a, a texting sort of tree where we would check in with people to try and measure how effective some of our challenges were, and you could rate it back. So we were able to like create a data pool about what worked. But then we also did this weird thing where we'd say, like, um, we texted them one day, and we're like, do you, do you want to tell Manoush something? And if they texted back yes, then their phone would ring. And it would be me being like, hey, it's me. Tell me what's going on. And then Gee, that that's day. That's not creepy or anything. <laughs> it wasn't creepy. No, we're friends. We go to, I go to the grocery store with them every week. Like, we have a thing together. I got 1,700 voicemail messages that day. Wow. Oh. Yeah. So, I know, right? Yeah. Cool. And I listen to every single one. Because <laughs> I'm crazy like that. But that's how you make good audio is Molly showed on day one I think so it, it's going through all that it is that little moment that I have with one person who made a change in their life because of something I told them I thought might work that's a huge that's responsibility the, though isn't it did anybody ever call and say you know I this this I'm getting divorced because I listened to you and I'm I mean Karen could this happen dark, this is my goodness <laughs> I I no that's not happened <laughs> Um, maybe, maybe they haven't told us, but that's the beauty of podcasts. You could go listen to something else. And right? one thing I would add on that is I think sometimes people, like when you think about engagement, people who haven't engaged much before outside their own personal set of friends or acquaintances, there's a lot of like terrifying examples of people being trolled and hunted down. And, yeah. and I think sometimes people are very, very apprehensive about putting their stuff out there. Now, it's absolutely true that some people do really have bad experiences, but like I have not had any bad experiences. You haven't had any bad experiences. I think sometimes people are overly like, fearful of like what's going to happen if they put their stuff out there. Um, so I'm just saying like it's not necessarily so. I think people sometimes get over, you know, they, they read about sort of the most extreme examples and they think that that's typical. Um, but I would also say, and I wrote an op-ed about this last year, that I think part of the reason why women podcasters have I, I mean, I don't have the data to back this up. Maybe we should do that. But like, 
I've seen less of us being trolled simply because the technical aspect, it's a pain in the ass to find a podcast. Yeah. And mm -hmm. to troll us is a real, like, what yes. do you, they're going to have to record a voice memo, figure out what our email is, and send it to me. The barrier to entry is high. And <laughs> yeah. therefore, we get quality people yeah. who really want to be there and are really making an effort to be with us. It's not just, like, people dropping by and, like, giving us shit, basically. Yeah. Right, like a um, blog. So you have some things that you think your audience needs. Um, we have a slide, I think, that asks us questions about what this is. Talk about this for a minute. How do you, what problems will we solve for them? Well, one of the things um, that we've really learned is that people love to learn, so they love to hear our suggestions about how to solve problems, but they also love to teach. And one of the things that where we've had great success and like great personal gain is where we throw things out, we're like, I have a problem, I want you to help me solve it. So for instance, we were, I was having this big debate about whether to get a dog, because everybody in my family really wanted to get a dog, and I was very much on the fence. And so I said to people, do you think I should get a dog? And we got, I got overwhelming responses from people, very, very thoughtful. Another one, I had, my daughter was going off to college. I was like, do you have any advice for somebody who's a child going off to college or a parent with a child going off to college? Um, we've done things with wedding readings, funeral readings, like, you know, um, we're getting ready to do um, a, a very special episode on like, what is the right thing to say in a challenging situation? What's the wrong thing to say in a challenging situation? Because these are circumstances that we all face. What do you say when, you're, when you want to say the right thing? We all want to say the right thing, but what is the right thing to say? And so sometimes it's like, because most of the time we're saying, like, these are things you can try at home to make yourself happier, healthier, more creative, more productive. Here are hacks. But um, here are our ideas, here are questions that you can ask yourself. But what we've realized is people love to give us their suggestions for Try This at Home tips. They like to give us their happiness hacks. And then we highlight that on the podcast. And so then also people don't feel like they're just fans listening, but they're part of a community, community who's all communicating with each other. And so, so we, we sometimes we're solving problems, but sometimes we're putting problems out in the world and asking people to solve them for us. And that has been really fun and successful, too, as a way to build audience engagement, get people to, to contact us, reach out, and, um, and then to engage with each other on whether Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, like that. So you've, you've made this investment in your audience, but you're getting a return on that investment because... Oh, 100%. Absolutely. Okay. No, they contribute so much. Yes. Okay. We've yeah. had whole episodes where every segment was suggested by a listener. I, I, I just think this is the key question. I mean, I have a, a lot of people come to me and say, like, ha, ha, we want to do an engagement project. Mm -hmm. And if you can't answer this question, then no one is going to engage with you. I mean, what are they getting out of it at the end of the day? I mean, it's sure, it's fun to be on my podcast, but I'm pretty, pretty much know that my audience is 70% approximately women, mm -hmm. busy women, smart women, they have a lot going on. So I need to, the value proposition has to be there for them to like contribute their data, their personal stories, to try a behavior change, sometimes to give me a week of their life to play with me, you know, and, and do change, change something and then tell me how it goes. They got to get something out of it. Um, and I think like our episode that just came out yesterday, actually, um, there's, you know, there's, 
easier ways to do that. So we had Esther Perel, who's about to be on. She came on the show to talk about how technology um, is basically, you know, you get like an invitation to a party, but you don't bother to RSVP because something better might come up, but you don't really know. So you just kind of ghosting people. So the problem that we're hearing from people is like, yeah, you know, I've been meaning to get back to people, but then like it's, you know, there's months go by and it's weird to answer an email then. So we created a text bot, Kat, my producer right here, where if you, what's the number? You can do it right now. 70101, dial, not dial, tap, 70101, and type the <laughs> word ghost. And, um, and we'll nudge you. We'll say, like, you, you remember those people you've been meaning to get back in touch with? So, like, we're just, we don't know if it's going to work, but we have, like, 500 people signed up yesterday to, like, just see how it goes. Maybe get a nudge. Maybe let us know that, like, yeah, thanks for... And I did have somebody on this morning tell me that she got back in touch with her mother for like the first time in 20 years, which that's super gratifying. So we've done your infomagical montage, so we know what it sounds like. Why did you pick a week as the period in which to do this? No good reason at all. Oh, okay. So um, it wasn't no. like scientifically based oh, or no. anything? <laughs> I, am, I mean, it's why I love Gretchen's books is mm. I like programs. I love me some self-improvement. <laughs> uh, you will find me in self-help often um, that, that section of the bookstore. I just like things that are manageable. Like, so you it figure seems, a finite beginning and end yeah, allows and, you to do and something measurable, measurable. You know? yeah. We did yeah. do one project at WNYCU that was about sleep and it, was, it just was too long. It mm-hmm. was like three weeks I think and like okay we get it's it. Like we should sleep more. You know? like yeah. It needs to be I think it needs to be quick hits so that you can see where you were see what you've done differently and see see how things have changed in a, in a short, compressed span of mm-hmm. time. Gretchen, how did you do that with your happiness hacks? Um, well, here, we uh, in the clip, um, in Elizabeth and I did a live event. Uh, Elizabeth's my sister, my co-host, uh, in Seattle, and we invited people to come up and do sort of a speed round of happiness hacks. When our, our idea for happiness hacks is like a small, quick fix thing that you can do that's going to slightly make yourself happier. And so um, you can hear, like, here's a montage of what we got from our listeners. Or, be, or audience members at that point. Mm-hmm. Play the clip. Come on, you got your happiness hacks. Down. First up. For years, I had to ha- have some medical procedures, and so I had to have shots done. Yeah. Um, and I hate <laughs> shots. So yeah. we would sing. That's great. great Excellent. Hi, I'm Stephanie. I'm from Columbus, Ohio. I have two canvas bags, one at the bottom of the stairs oh. and one at the top of the stairs. Oh, and I everything that needs to go upstairs, I dump in there. And yeah. Things need to come down because oh, constantly things are wandering yep. in my house. So it helps me to get them back where they belong. Oh, what a great hack. Yeah. Hi, I'm Kat, and my happiness hack is to not carry an umbrella. I love this one. It rains a ton here, but there is loveliness in feeling that wet and then you get home and you put your big robe on and your big slippers and you're like (sighs) but you can't feel (sighs) until you felt (sighs) that's great so you've got people who at least start out listening to your podcast how do you make sure you keep people over the long term engaged in what you're doing? How do you make sure they come back over and over again? That's the big question. It's, that's content. I mean, that's it, reliable, consistent, quality content. 
I mean, they only have themselves to blame if they don't like what's on the show. They all, no, I'm kidding. I, I think at that point, like if you've if you've given that much of your time and energy and effort and love, you have a relationship with your listener where they literally feel like they're ignoring a family member if they were to take you off their playlist. Like that's what I. I, it's been interesting on the book tour to ask people. We were thinking of maybe going to series and not being week to week, mm-hmm. and I was sort of floating that idea mm-hmm. in the audience. And some people looked at me and they were like, "Oh no, you can't do that. I need you every week." I was like, "Well, I'm not your therapist." There goes your like, life. <laughs> yeah, right. But I, I mean, I think they know that there's a look. Making podcasts is really hard work. Mm-hmm. We have a very small team. Some weeks. It's not going to be deep, you know, voice memos and crafted and three different voices and a story. Like, it's just not going to be. But they, I think people stick with you because they know that the essence of it will remain true. Some weeks it's me and having a conversation with someone. And that can be just as lovely because they're with me, right? Like, they're, we're together. They know that I have their back. Like, that I'm thinking of them in every question that I pose to someone, no matter what the no matter the way that we make the show, I think that they know that we are thinking. I'm looking at my two producers, and we're having so much lovely eye contact right now. Um, <laughs> they know that, that, that I, I put them first. But I do think consistency is important. Oh, like, you know, Yeah, you know, you okay. have to, the more consistent you are. Um, so the, people know where so to the find people you, that they know, know when and your then, podcast also, is going to drop. Yeah, and you want, of course, people to subscribe, um, but not everybody does subscribe, and some people will just kind of listen and like check it out, and if they know that once a week... And then I think a lot of people even will associate, like a lot of people have said to, to me, well, they associate Wednesday with my, our, the, the podcast Happier, and mm-hmm. then they associate Thursday with Happier in Hollywood, which is my sister's, she's got another podcast. Oh, she does? Partner. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's about being happier in Hollywood. Uh, you should all subscribe. Moron. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But okay. Yeah, that's that's a, that's part of what they talk about. Um, but it's sort of like if you have that consistency in when you show up, then people can kind of plan around it and think about it. And I, and if you're very inconsistent or you go dark for a long time and then come back and then leave, it's like people just, you know, it's it's like a television show where you're like, oh, I was so into that show, but now I've kind of lost the thread. I've lost my interest. I've moved on to other things. I think the more consistent that you are. And somebody gave me great advice when mm. I was starting, which was to be consistent but also surprise. Um, and I think that's a thing mm, where yeah. your show really is outstanding and that you're always coming up with these like new things, like these new experiments, these new projects, these new ways to try to tackle these issues. And that's interesting. So you're still, it's always coherent around the subject, but then it's all, it's, but it's also surprising because it's something new. Um, so I think that's like, that's a, a useful way to think about it. How can you be consistent, but also surprised? Speaking of surprises, mm. I'm really interested to know whether either or both of you have been surprised by anything in doing your podcast, either in terms of who your audience is, you know, maybe you thought it was one, per, one, one group of people, it turned out to be somebody else, or the kinds of things people are asking you to discuss on air. Has anything popped up that made you go, wow, I didn't see that coming? I've been surprised by how deep the engagement is. I have to say, like, everybody said that to me. I mean, and I said that just earlier today. And, but I was like, eh, I'm pretty engaged already. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've been surprised by how it's different with the podcast audience. I have, I have been very surprised by that. Gratified and surprised. I've been surprised by, God, should I go there? Yeah, go Ooh, there. Go Come there. on. Oh, Come like, on. Is I that the, the best intro to any comment <laughs> yeah, right? ever? I've been surprised at 
just how strong the boys network is in certain genres of podcasting and that, yeah. (laughs) And when I said that, you know, we're more of a social look at technology or stopped using the word technology, that's when they accepted me. But when I called it a tech show, I was not welcome in the club. And I will (laughs) refrain from using names, but uh, no, not naming names. But she'll tell me afterwards and I'll post. There was um, a certain male podcaster. And, you know, part of the, we're we're figuring out the rules, right? Like, what's the best way to get more people to listen to your podcast? You go on someone else's podcast. Gretchen and I, it's been delightful. We've had a great time. Have allies, not competitors. But but it's always been women that that has worked out for me. And I see that all the boys are on each other's podcasts, but they don't think to, like, Mm -hmm. I literally went through this guy's feed of the 40 people he'd interviewed over the last two years, four were women. And so I reached out to him. We'd happened to be at the same event, and we'd interviewed actually some of the same people, some of the same academics and researchers, and I was like, you know, I think we, have some, we cover some of the same topics. My audience is mostly women. Yours, I think, <laughs> is mostly male. Wouldn't this be a great opportunity to, um, to let our audiences know about the other? Um, I have this book coming out. I think you saw you were at TED, and I gave a talk about it, and, you know, whatever. Lovely, like, very, you know, I love your podcast. I mm-hmm. did the whole thing, right? Would you, would you like to come on my podcast? Can I send you a copy of the book? And, you know, maybe we could do something together or collaborate in some way. And he wrote back and said, Manoush, I think the best thing would be for me to just come on your podcast. Oh, my God. Um, I'm seeing my personal assistant probably October is, looks possible. Uh, and I was like, wow, man, that is, no way. <laughs> yeah. yeah, my executive producer was like, delete. Well, um, let's say that not everybody has that response. Let's say there are people who want to help, people who might help you broaden your audiences. How do you approach those people, or how do you... See if there's any synergy, sort of thing. Yeah, any chemistry, really. I mean, I think you and I are a good example of that. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we also happen to have husbands who, like, we didn't know work together yeah, sometimes. Yeah. Like, that was weird. Um, so, but, but, I, but I think a conference like this is a good example. Yes. Of, like, it's easier. It, what's hard is to write an email where you're really laying out a very kind of naked quid pro quo. Yes. I'll have you on my podcast if you'll have me on your podcast. Like, that just feels awkward. And But what's nice is if you're there and you're yeah. like, I love your stuff. Oh, I love your stuff, too. Oh, my gosh, we should completely, like, let's do a, like, I would love to reach your audience. It'd be great if you could, re- you know. If you can do it in person, it just is a lot easier. Yeah. So that's why I'm a big fan of going to conferences or any kind of thing mm-hmm. where you're meeting people face to face. And it's it's so true. Like you want allies, not competitors. Like people who are close to you and like doing similar things are like your friends because like ideally this guy would have responded and it would have been a great um, complementary completely audience share. Yeah, it's called enlightened yeah. self interest. Yeah, yeah, so yeah, we're yeah. doing something for each other. Right. But sometimes people are kind of like, well, if you're, you're like you're a newcomer in the health category therefore mm-hmm. like I have to try to shut you out as much as possible because it's you know it's a it's a it's just like a pie that's divided into so many slices 
But the thing is, what we should all be doing is trying to convert more people to be podcast listeners. That's what's going to help all of us. Yeah, Everybody totally. should constantly be trying to help people come to podcasts and recommend other good podcasts so that people feel like it's a rich, enticing world that they're dying to enter. And that the way, if somebody's interested in one kind of like, you know, a podcast that's sort of like yours, that's, whether it's because it's sort of, you know, whatever, there's a lot of different ways that a person could be responding to it. Yeah. Those are your more, most likely allies. Definitely. But you could start feeling competitive with them, which may have been what happened with that guy. He's like, she's got a book. She just gave a TED Talk. Like, Oh, compe- you know. maybe. Really? Don't you just I like looking no at it that training. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 <laughs> go for that. Yeah. <laughs> but I think, you know, the key is not just like, you come on mine, I'll come on yours. Like, yeah, yeah. No, you know, no, I love no, telling no, how like, like it worked out. Naked. Yeah, yeah, like yeah. Esther and I met at a conference last year and like, she was like, do you want to go jogging? I was like, yes. So we jogged. So it grew out of something And then we talked and I was like, God, actually this conference, like now we're friends and we had this great yes. conversation and I was like, ooh, let's do that, but this for the show and it took a year till we made it happen mm. but meanwhile, we actually became friends and so yeah. I think you heard that in the podcast too yeah. that like we love each other and like we, we've gotten to know each other and I knew exactly what I wanted out of the conversation so the content was very clear, you know, it was... Cool. Yeah. We want to thank Gretchen and Manoush this time. This just fun. Thanks, thank you. Thank you, Karen. Thank you, Karen. It was yeah. my pleasure. That was Manoush Samarodi, Gretchen Rubin, and Karen Grigsby-Bates speaking at the 2017 Work It Festival. Both the festival and the podcast are produced by WNYC Studios and are made possible by a grant from the Corporation for Public Broadcasting with additional support from the Annenberg Foundation. Event sponsors include Cole Hahn, Mac Cosmetics, and thirdlove.com. Thank you.